0: Two important questions. Is believing the Bible enough to get me into heaven? And can I not go to church and still be a Christian? I'm going to answer both of those next on 41 Strong Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to 41 Strong Podcast, Chuck Tate here in the Peoria studio, great to have you with us. If you're just joining us for the first time, let me welcome you, 41 Strong is a podcast that delivers encouraging scriptures and stories to help people like you hold on and stand strong. Today is episode 143, so we're going to take the next 19 minutes and unpack two questions you know i've been a senior pastor for 21 years and one question that i have been asked frequently over the years is this is believing in god simply enough to get me into heaven and the second question is do i have to go to church to be a christian all right because i've heard a lot of people say well hey, i'm a christian i don't have to go to church so we're going to talk really about both of those questions for our, our time today. And I'm going to begin by just, by just letting you know, when we look at the Word, and we're going we're to just start with Scripture. When we look at the Word, the, 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 the Bible's vision for the church is, um, includes more than just a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. We're going to find out that being the church, going to church, exercising our faith, is a way of life, all right? So um, to answer the first question, hey, if I just believe in God, I'm in, right? And the answer is no, it's not, all right? Now, some of you are pushing back with the scripture that says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, all right? All right, and, and I'm going to explain what that means in, in, in just a moment, but here's the deal. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me, hey, I, I don't go to church, I don't, really don't, I don't need the whole church thing, um, I don't really need to read my Bible, I believe in God, that's good enough for me, so basically, you know, I believe in God, leave me alone. So how should we respond to somebody, and here's how I respond, uh, all right, man, Here, here's, 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 what, here's what the Word of God says, the demons believe in God, and they're going to hell. All right, so it's not enough to simply believe in God. We've got to put our faith in God and establish a relationship with God through Jesus. And the foundation is belief, it's faith. It's not flippantly saying, I believe in God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here's what Jesus' his own brother James said in James chapter 2, verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. All right, that's what the New Living Translation says. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So we, we know that God created hell to send the devil and his demons there. And every person who rejects the free gift of salvation sends themselves there as well. But here's the deal. Nobody has to go there because Jesus died on the cross. His blood is good enough. So today we want to make sure that we have put our faith in him. We've established a relationship with God through Jesus. So it's not enough simply to believe there is a God. You have got to put your faith in God. All right, and if you do that, the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you, and you become the church. And everyone who is a member of the church should function and serve and be a part of a local church because it's all God's idea. All right, let me let me share this. Um, Stephen Nichols, he is. Um, a, um, a, a Bible scholar, an author, he said this, like a branch that grows because of its connection to the tree, we thrive and we stay connected to the local church. And we're going to find out in Scripture that church is all about community. So let's begin in the Old Testament. We know the Israelites, they were slaves to the Egyptians, to, to Pharaoh, 400 years, they cried out to God. God answered their cry, sent Moses to deliver them. Moses did deliver them, and not only were they rescued, out of Egypt, but they plundered Egypt. They took a, the wealth of Egypt with them. They went through the Red Sea on dry ground. the Red Sea swallowed up Pharaoh and his army, and it was a brand new beginning for the Israelites and that new beginning led them through a wilderness for four hundred years. Now one of the places, and one of the times they were camped out was at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Moses went up the mountain. You might know the story. He came down with the Ten Commandments, all right? What you might not be familiar with is that he also came down with plans for something called a tabernacle, all right? And the tabernacle represented the presence of God. It was like a portable tent, and God would lead them. They would set up this tabernacle, and there were priests that represented the people. Only the high priest could enter the holy of the holies, and really the tabernacle was a slaughterhouse where sacrifices were made so the people could be forgiven. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus died on the cross, the temple, because eventually that tabernacle became a structure called a temple. And in the temple, all right, that was a central place of instruction and teaching about God and Israel. All right, so when Jesus died, that veil in the temple was torn in two. Because Jesus was the high priest and he gave us access, right, to go into the holy holies, into the presence of God, to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And he promised that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, would come and live inside of us. That means our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the church. And then we gather as the church, which I'll get to in a second. So back to the tabernacle. I actually had somebody ask me Saturday night at church, a friend of mine, her name is Anna. And she came up to me not knowing that I was going to talk about the tabernacle. And she said, hey, when, when um, you've been to Texas Roadhouse, right? I'm like, absolutely. And she said, have you ever just thought about, you know, connected the, the tabernacle of the Old Testament to Texas Roadhouse? The aroma that's inside Texas Roadhouse. And I, I started laughing and I said, Nope. In my entire life, I have never thought about that once, all right? Because, um, you know, when I think about the tabernacle, I think about a slaughterhouse, and I know they had to burn incense to cover up the stench of, of death, really. Um, but I like her idea much better. I, I, you know, I like the whole Texas Roadhouse idea Um a lot better. And the only thing that I think, I don't think about the tabernacle when I'm at Texas Roadhouse. I think about either getting the ribs or the roadkill. That's what I think about. All right. Having a having a cup of chili. Man, I'm hungry right now. Uh, so I actually talked about this last Saturday night in our service. And um, we had some people that tried to go to Texas Roadhouse. And I, I got a message on my phone that it was um, uh, on my Facebook that it was an hour. There was an hour and 10 minute wait to the Roadhouse Tabernacle, so they went to Logan's Tabernacle instead. And then after I shared this story on Sunday morning in our service, I got a text message saying, hey, you forgot about Alexander's Tabernacle, right? And Alexander's Steakhouse here in the Peoria area is the number one steakhouse. And and, um, so I think all of our... people are, for now on, every time they go to a steakhouse, they're going to think about the tabernacle, and maybe you will too. However, so here, let me just say this. So the tabernacle, it was a portable tent that represented the presence of God, and eventually King Solomon built a temple, and it was a place of instruction and teaching, all right? So like spokes of a will that fan out from the hub, what occurred at these worship centers, the tabernacle, the temple, it was to affect every aspect of of an Israelite's life. And we know that when we're a part of a local church, it should affect every aspect of our life. To be a believer in Jesus, to be forgiven is step one. But then God's process is to be a part of a local church. God chose the church to be the vehicle to advance the kingdoms. Let's not forget that church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. In fact, Jesus brought up church for the first time in Matthew 16, 18, when he told Simon, "Your your name is no longer Simon. And I'm going to call you Peter because Peter means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And not only that, the gates of hell or the powers of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell, the powers of hell cannot stop the church. And what's so cool about this conversation that he had with Peter was if we fast forward after Jesus was arrested, remember, Jesus had warned Peter that he was going to deny him. And Peter denied it. I'm not going to do it. I won't disown you. If I have to go to jail or prison, I'll never disown you. And then he did three times. He cussed out a little girl. Jesus looked at him and he left and wept bitterly. When Jesus came out of the grave, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm okay, that I'm alive. And Peter, he got back together. Jesus appeared to him, cooked him breakfast, had a conversation, asked him three times, do you love me? Right? And Peter was a little bit hurt by that. But here's the deal in the upper room. See, after Jesus ascended to heaven, after he came out of the grave and he appeared to his disciples and other eyewitnesses for 40 days, he instructed them to wait for the Holy Spirit so they could receive power to be witnesses. And that's what they did. They were obedient. The Holy Spirit showed up. The disciples were empowered. Everyone began to share the gospel in a different language. And everyone that was present could hear from different You know, different nations, they could hear the gospel, the good news being preached in a way that they could understand, and this was quite the scene, right? Everybody thought they were drunk. Well, Peter got up, the same Peter that just a few weeks prior to this, who cussed out a little girl, denied Jesus three times after telling Jesus he wouldn't do it, lied to Jesus' face, all right, back up behind that, Jesus prophesied and said, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter, you're a rock, gates of hell won't stop it. Now, Peter gets up and preaches a message with boldness, 3,000 people got saved, and that's how the church began. So 2,000 years later, we're talking about it on a podcast, I go to church, I'm a pastor of a church, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are the church, and we are called not just to be the church, but we are called to go to church, to be a part of a local body, to function, to break bread, to do life together, all right? Go is God's message, go to the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, do life together, together. In fact, I want to go right to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So after these 3,000 people got saved, the church began, and it began to multiply. It exploded, right? and you couldn't stop it and they began to meet together in homes they began to meet in larger places fast forward the apostle paul planted churches he would speak in homes he would speak to large crowds all right it was the way you walked out your christian faith was to gather together for worship they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, right? Hebrews 10 25 says, don't get out of the habit of meeting together for worship. Being a part of a local congregation should be habitual. It should be a regular part of your life. You should want to go. You get to go. It is ridiculous to say, well, I don't need to go to church. When you read the the New Testament and you read all the epistles and the gospels, when you when you when you read, I should say the epistles you will know how important being a part of a local congregation is. They were devoted. They shared meals. They broke bread. They even collected money, and they put their money together. There, They did life together. So we need to do the same thing, all right? When you look at the church, all right, the authors of the epistles in the New Testament, they paint multiple pictures to what the church should look like. The church is called the household of God, The church is called a family. The church is called a building. The church is pictured as a flock of sheep. The church is pictured as Christ's body. It's pictured as the bride of Christ. Jesus referred to the church as the bride of Christ. So for you to say, I love Jesus and not his followers, makes you not a a great representation of Jesus. All right, in fact, let me just read you this quote. This is kind of... this is this is um this is pretty heavy right here, but there's a guy, he's the author of a book named Brett or uh, name Uncomfortable. The book is called Uncomfortable, and the author is Brett McCracken. All right, so this is gonna McCracken your toes right here. He says this, to say that you love Jesus but not the church is to say you prefer a decapitated head. That's creepy and doesn't work biblically. Man, boom, drop the mic right there, right? That is crazy to say that you love Jesus and not the church because the church is his bride. So you love Jesus, but you hate his bride? Uh-uh. That doesn't work. So for you to flippantly say, hey, I don't need to be a part of a church. I don't need church. All I need need is me and Jesus. That's it. No, you're wrong. Because Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't get out of the habit of meeting together for worship. It says, encourage each other all the more until you until you see the day approaching. So Why should church be a habit? Here's why. Because we we come to worship, not to be a consumer, not to walk in and see what's in it for me, but to build yourself up in a most holy faith. You come to worship, you come to receive the word, you lose that consumer mindset, you serve like Jesus came to serve, right? But most importantly, when you're in church, you encourage those around you. You get encouraged by those around you. Don't get out of the habit of meeting together for worship instead encourage each other the disciples the believers the early church devoted themselves to church they devoted themselves to worship they devoted themselves to prayer they devoted themselves to fellowship they devoted themselves to sharing meals at texas roadhouse right they got together and they did life together they held each up they held each other's arms up they functioned as the bride of christ and let me just say there are so many imperfections in the church There are hypocrites in the church. Here's why. Jesus died for hypocrites, all right? Jesus died so the church can exist. It was his idea in Matthew 16, 18. He said he's the head of it. And if he's the head of something, we should want to be a part of what he is the head of because we are the bride of Christ. And there are many parts, but one body. That means we have different likes, different dislikes, different hobbies. We like different sports teams. We like different restaurants. Some of you prefer Texas Roadhouse. Others of you prefer Logan's. Some of you would rather just go to McDonald's, all right? Here's the deal. As long as we have the same common denominator, Jesus, that's all that matters. So let's do this. Let's be more passionate about our relationship with Christ than our political posture, all right? Let's love Jesus. Let's love his people. And if we do that, the world will believe that the faith that we have is genuine. No, it's not flippantly saying, I believe in God, leave me alone. It's not flippantly saying, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. It is loving each other well because Jesus said in John, the world will know we are Christians by our love for each other. So if we are functioning as his church, as a healthy bride, that will communicate to the world world, that the gospel is genuine and people will begin to ask you questions and the word says always be ready to give an answer about the hope that you have. And one great place to get your hope right built up is in a community of believers. Don't isolate yourself. Don't disengage yourself from the church because it's Jesus's idea and right now he's at the right hand of the Father cheering you on. So let's be the church, go to church, and grow the church. That's all I got. Episode 143 is in the can. Next week I have a friend calling in. This is going to be cool. His name is Jamie Rowe. He is a singer, songwriter, You might remember him from being the singer of a band called Guardian, right? He just released a brand new album last week called This Is Home, and he's going to be right here on 41 Strong next week, all right? Don't miss it. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, for more information, go to my website, chuckytate.com. So today, our producer Mike Sable is home, not doing well, pray for him. So for today's producer, Tim Johnson, I'm Chuck Tate. We'll see you next time on 41 Strong. Purialife.com